All right, college basketball fans, sure hope you're having a great week. Welcome to episode 58 of Mad About Hoops. My name is Timmy Hall. This guy right here, Evil Bald Colin. What's going on, man? Timmy, I don't know how you couldn't be having a good week. We're just in the thick of things with conference races. It's a great time to be alive. Great time to be a Kansas Jayhawk fan. Is that what you mean? Uh, just dominating conference play left and right? You know what? I, I kind of jokingly said to you they seem fraudulent, but then I kind of looked deeper into their metrics, and man, We'll get into into this guy later on in the show, but Ochai Abaje, if they didn't mm. have him, they would Ochai. be done. They would be done. Abaje's been an, a good guy for He's them. probably been the player Obviously. of the year. I yeah, mean, you could honestly make that argument. You, the thing about him, too, is couldn't you see it from the day he stepped foot on campus? Just what what he possessed. He's just that 6'4", he 6'5", was, he was six, with a, and, he, and he's got a good build, too. Like, I remember Jay Burson, you know, for who is a great Buckeye basketball player, used to help us out with a lot of shows on the fan. He loved his guards to have some of that thickness, you know, some of that athleticism. So they couldn't, they couldn't get knocked off of their spot a, as easily. We want Malachi to develop into that guy, and he will. But that's what I saw from Ochai at the very beginning. I yeah I, I saw a really good defensive player that if he could develop develop his offensive game he was going to turn out very well and that's pretty much what he was told by the NBA evaluators because he almost stayed in that draft back in the summer but he came back and fixed the things he mm. needed to do mm. he's mm. averaging forty seven percent from three he's showing it's you insane. He, he's a two way guy he's got to shoot free throws ma'am. That's true. He's got to hit free throws. That's true. Is, I think he's in the 60s, low 60s. He is in the high 60s. High 60s. So he's, he's been about the same, though. He hasn't. That's what's interesting about Abaji is you look at where he was, like an eight and a half a game guy, you know, really serviceable player. Hit the glass, scored you about nine a game. He'd get into double figures, uh, uh, you know, often. And he was giving you 25. I mean, he was a key player right from the very beginning. He's almost a rare bird, honestly. Like, you look at yeah. that kind of guy at a program like Kansas, usually if you're coming in and you're playing that much and you're that much of a contributor as a true freshman, you're gone, right? You'd either transfer out because you're looking to have a more of an impact somewhere or you're too good and you're going to the league. Honestly, like I'm glad you brought him up and your thing today, we're, uh, Evil Bald Colin has been taking us through some deep dives into the major conferences out there. And why we're talking about Kansas is because the Big 12 is going to be up. So settle into this pod. Evil will give you all of his big takes on the Big 12. But I, I love Abaji, and you love to see those guys that are just like on a career escalator. You know, we've seen some here at Ohio State, but eight and a half a game, 10 a game, 14.1. Boom. Senior, 21.3 points per game. Player of the year. First team All American. Yeah, he's the type of player that I think us traditional type of fans love to fall in love with. The guys that stay four years and get better and better until they they become the superstars of the sport. I mean, we we've seen it across the years. Uh, I'm thinking guys off the top of my head like a Marcus Howard, how he just evolved over his years. Uh, Doug McDermott as he went along his years over at yeah. Creighton. Like those guys that go four years and you can see it from the beginning and it just gets better and better and better. One of my favorites that did that. Nolan Smith at Duke. He was nothing yeah. when he came in. Very good. Very I mean, good. I bet we could look up his stats. He was probably a three or four a game guy when he was a freshman. And it was it, it was the one year that I had the vote. We've talked about this. I believe he lost out to Jimmer. It was the year where it was him, Jimmer, and Sully. That was the year where Nolan Smith, but but still. First team All-American ACC Player of the Year. 
to develop like that. Yeah, now he, he's on he, their bench. He went from 5.9 his freshman year to 20.6 as a senior. 5.9 to 20.6. And I don't even think he was playing like 26 minutes a game as a freshman either. Uh, like Abaji was. 14.7. Okay, yeah. So that's that's sort of in that, you're in that area there. He was playing 21 a game as a sophomore. Right, right. But when you're averaging 14, one, 14 minutes a game, that means you might play... 20 minutes in some games and you might play none in some games of course. or five or six minutes and be purely a guy that's there. If someone gets into foul trouble, because I would imagine when they got deep into ACC play, he had that bench rotation and it was probably like most teams back in those times before we had these bloated rosters it's and no, super seniors, no, it was seven guys, it's right? It's no Jim Beheim rotation. Though, I'll tell you that. What are they rotating saw, right now? Are they at like six or something? I saw a disgusting stat where it's like, and I heard it in the Duke game, and I don't know if these numbers are accurate, but they're pretty close. They were in the 80s for both of them. I do remember that, but I think it's the starting five play 83% of the minutes and scored in 89% of the points or something like that. Mm. So you're saying Syracuse has no bench? No. They're not no, playing anybody? Not at all. They go maybe seven. They're going maybe seven deep. All right, so we are going to do uh, something else. That's it's going to be a lot of fun here. We're going to have the blue blood debate. I'm bringing this one to the floor today. And so, Evil, you're going to be able to debate with me what your views are, are on what constitutes a blue blood, how many are there, how they should be ranked, what factors are you looking at, who might become a blue blood at some point here in the near future, but they might have to accomplish a thing or two. They might have to get something done. So we're going to do that. We're going to start off the pod with that right after we talk a little bit of Chris Mack and how his situation just completely blew up in his face at Louisville. We know this guy well because we're in Ohio. And I, I do think we'll talk about it. That Xavier gig It just turns it into a classic case of the grass isn't always greener, you know, and how your situation might end. Which is so funny because I could have sworn Sean Miller was going to have that moment. And he had some teams that did that once he left for Arizona, but it just didn't fully come together. But he decided to become a massive cheater, you know, And and I don't think you really have to cheat to have a whole lot of success and to have a nice career at Xavier. No, so. no, no, no. Uh, yeah, you can get you can get quality mid- Midwest guys coming to Xavier and playing in the, in the Big East 100%. So we got a lot of great college basketball things to talk about. We are so glad that you have decided to check out this podcast. Sit back, relax. This is Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it! He hit it, he Turner! It. He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. Oh! 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 oh. oh. Sent it in, Jerome! Oh. <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! All right, so as we said, we're going to do some blue bloods. We're going to start off with Chris Mack out as Louisville Cardinals head coach. Colin, we did an in-depth look at the ACC in the last pod, and Louisville sucking is a big reason that the ACC is sucking. It's programs like that that have standards that you view a certain way, 
They're not there right now. And Chris Mack is out of a job because of it. He was just getting started there. This is a place where, as he said, when he acknowledged yesterday that he was out of a job, you got to win games. You're good at this stuff, man. You follow players and, and stats and, you know, who's going where better more than anybody I know. What the hell happened with Louisville basketball here? Oh, uh, they just weren't recruiting at the same level and they quite honestly just weren't getting the results. I, I think this is a program with the new age of the ACC just kind of got swallowed up. Uh, there's really no other way to put it. They've had some good players in the past, like Jordan Nora, who was on the team recently, was a very good player. That's been a they while, just though, right? They just well, Jordan Nora played within the last two to three years, and there was a stretch. Or there was a time in the past two or three years, actually underneath back, where they had a stretch of two weeks where they were the number one team in the nation. They just never had a core, really. It's really so simple as saying they didn't have a core that could win night in and night out. See you. You say Jordan Ora, and who's he playing for in the league right now? He's in the uh, NBA. I don't I, know if he's a, a dominant factor right now. Or I want to say off the top of my head, Golden State, but don't hold me to that. Let me look that up. But no, he's but, he's with the Bucks. He's with the Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks. Yes. Oh, how do you do, Cleveland Cavaliers? <laughs> yes. uh, freaking amazing, by the way. But far and away, that name is really the only one that I could give you of substance here in the last five years. For Louisville basketball. Then you got to dip. You got to go further back there to where they won that national championship. And that was back, what, in 2013, I want to say? So we're nine years removed from that. Yeah, I want to say that's right. And look, that that wasn't going to buy Chris Mack any equity at all. Like He didn't do that. That was Rick Pitino. And say what you will about the optics around Louisville basketball and uh, you know, the NCAA slamming these guys and taking away wins and taking down banners and championships and all that. Mac just flat out didn't get the job done. And I, I, I think it's really interesting how this all unfolded. So, like here, here's the thing. Yeah, uh, go let's ahead. Look at last year. Could you name the start or the leading score for them last no, year? No, no. What didn't they have like Carlick Jones? That's a great answer because it was the Radford transfer, Carlick Jones. Carlick, Carlick, Carlick. Uh, so, I think it's Carlick Jones, but uh, nonetheless, yeah. I, you just go through the years and look at the most recent leading scores for the and team. He's a like, one-year guy, right? Like uh, twenty-nine, uh, twenty-nine or nineteen twenty. It was Jordan Nora. Uh, Eighteen, nineteen. It was Jordan Nora. Like. Really outside of the top guy each year in and out. I don't think you could honestly name off the top of your head the team guys on the rest of that. Team. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like a Montrez Harrell. Like the last time I'm, 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 you know, spitting out a really impactful Louisville basketball player where you thought of as a oh, big Don- bad dude on the college basketball Donovan, block. Donovan Mitchell back in sixteen seventeen. Him too. Yeah. yeah. Donovan Donovan but Mitchell. That- Montrez Harrell, those two guys, and then Jordan Oren. That's about yeah. that's about it. Like it's those that's three really, in the last what six, seven, eight years. That would be back to the 2016 season. So yeah, I mean, if we're just talking about you know in our own backyard with Ohio State basketball, you've got you got the same amount of guys here for the Buckeyes that have been you know that substantial. Does Dwayne Washington does Dwayne Washington Jr. factor into that mix with what he was becoming? EJ Liddell, though, right now certainly is. You know, and Caleb Wesson, eh, I know. Caleb Wesson's not really one of those big national names. But either way, we're talking about Louisville basketball. We're talking about Louisville basketball right here. So I, I wanted to point out some of the things that Chris Mack said on his <laughs> way out. Oh, there were some fun moments. Yeah, yeah. I, I, got a pro- I got a couple of problems here, ma'am. I, I do. And he told reporters 
after he was out. And I love that we don't say fired. It's just, you know, there's a buyout. The contract that he signed in 2018, it had a $12 million buyout. Ooh. But the two sides negotiated the buyout down to $4.8 million. I say that's more than fair, Chris. You sucked at this place, and you're getting almost $5 million bucks cash to not show up to work anymore. Well, so, I think the biggest wow. I, I think the biggest thing they were trying to do is get the uh get the buyout down because of the incident recently where he was suspended to start the year because of, of the Dino Gaudio yeah, stuff. Sure. And it wasn't just that either. And you tell me if this is two pronged or it's just the same situation. So he said uh, he said it's a hard place. You got to win games. That's one of the quotes that I had here. And well, you're preceded by two Hall of Famers, man. Like I know Denny Crum and then Rick Pitino. Yeah. Hey, that's following some legends, right? Yeah, 100%. Rick Pitino, one of the best cheating legends that there has ever been. He said, it's been building. We all want the best for Louisville, and I still do. That's not going to change. It's not really important when or any of that stuff. What's important is that these guys need to be able to be connected. I'm humble enough where if I'm not the right person, all good, man. Just want the best for them. They're great kids. I love my team at Louisville. My kids loved it here. I harbor no bitterness. And I I do like that. I, I like that. This was the part, though. He said, I love him. I love him. Talking about the fan base and how the relationship has deteriorated. He said, they want to win. Shit. I do, too. I ain't bitter at all. I got my family. I got a great life. I'm good. And I'm... All right, as I as I read that, I'm trying to decide if I give him the benefit of the doubt there, but Colin, do you get off that easy when you fail by just saying, I got a great life, I'm good? No, it kind of sounds like an opt-out. Just kind of like you're, you, you know what? Like no big deal. Forget this, no big yeah, deal. Yeah, like, uh, no, right? This is... This is Louisville basketball. You made it to a place in your career where you were picked to be the head freaking basketball coach after those two coaches that you just mentioned. Do you just get to say, I got a great life. I'm good. Do no. you? No. There I has to be. I mean, I know you got a lot of money. It's not about the money here, though. There should be something wired in you where it isn't about the money. You're doing this because of the prestige and because of your pride and how you view yourself connecting with young men and building a powerhouse program. Sorry. Yeah, I, I get a bad feel from that. I get a bad feel. You, you know, it's pretty bad when I think it was, uh, I think the guy's name is Malik Williams. Is it Malik or Mark Williams? Uh, their current leading scorer. Again, I have That's barely, the point, man. I, I have, think it's Malik. I've, it's Malik Williams. Yeah. But he was, they were discussing, uh, but Noah the, Locke the, actually the is there. Sorry, there's like a two, there's two 10.1, 10.2 point per game so scores. Sad. So they got their they just powerhouse team right now. Double digit scores, two of them leading the way at 10 points per game. But I I think I remember hearing some audio. They were doing some media, and the guy asked basically, "Is this is the team still listening to the messages? Is this team uh-huh. still talking or listening to what Coach, uh-huh. Coach Mack and his staff is saying?" And he says, "Well, I don't want to comment on I'm that. I'm not. I don't have a comment for <laughs> <That's>, that." <laughs> That tells you everything you. you need to know, yeah. man. Like it just—it was at that point. It seemed like he was checked out. Tell me there's a problem without telling me there's a problem. That's exactly what that That's was. One hundred percent. 
And here's the other thing, too. This isn't just, it'd be one thing if it just didn't work out. You bit off more than you could chew. You weren't ready for this. You just didn't have the stuff to get the right staff in place, to go and hit the trail the right place, the, the right way. You just didn't connect enough with the fiber of Louisville basketball. It says in September, the NCAA amended a previous notice of allegations. What's new? More notice of allegations <laughs> at Louisville, right? Against Louisville to include three alleged violations by the men's basketball program under Mac. You thought all this shit ended with Rick Patino? You're wrong. It's still going on. And I don't know how serious in nature a lot of these were, but it said the alleged violations stemmed from last spring's firing of former assistant coach Dino Gaudio, the old <laughs> Wake Forest demon deacon. I felt like he sat there on the sixth college hoops show on ESPNU for 10 years before he got back in. Said that this resulted in Gaudio attempting to extort Mac. Way to go, Dino. Not taking it. I'm going to stick it right back up your ass. Mac in a recording Gaudio told Mac he would expose violations if not paid the remainder of his salary. My goodness. The NCAA alleged that Mac either participated in condoned or negligently disregarded violations involving graduate assistants and others in their participation in practice, as well as the creation and use of personalized recruiting videos and aids. It also said Mac didn't demonstrate that he promoted an atmosphere for compliance and you tell me, I don't know if this suspension at the start of the year was NCAA or university. It says not following university guidelines and procedures in Gaudio's firing. So I, I feel like what he did with Dino Gaudio, and, and I guess that's not shocking. If it's an NCAA violation, it's likely going to be a violation with the school's code of conduct and guidelines. Right. No, so, I, <laughs> not a good job. Look, man, it, it, all you did in that case was give them an, a way to get some of the buyout money back from you, which is why I, I'm sure this meeting took, was it like several hours or it took about a day or two for them to actually announce the separation uh, from Chris Mack. But I, I'm just very curious to see which way they go with this because there's so many names being thrown out there right now. I know there was an article from CBS where they were speculating on a bunch of names. I've heard Kenny Payne, the assistant with... Uh, the Knicks is is a guy that they're th- looking at. Maybe even a Bruce Pearl, but I again I don't see why he would want to leave that job for Louisville. But there, there's going to be some type of big money thrown around by this university because they're so desperate to get back to where they were. Yeah, Bruce Pearl, that'd be the interesting one, right? He'd fit right well, in. Well, He's got he a leave? lot of cheating stains <laughs> on his ledger. He'd be perfect. And Auburn's not the big proud basketball powerhouse. Look what he's doing there. He'd be the kind of guy that you would think could sprinkle some of that magic fairy dust, conceal some of that cheating in the right kind of way. <laughs> I, I mean, they're he, not going to catch him. I mean, he did get caught with the barbecue and Aaron Kraft, but I, I don't know if that's fully true. But Barbecuing I, with the craft. I don't know why he would want to leave that job with what he's built right now. I mean, this is back-to-back years of really, really solid recruiting classes and really, really good freshmen he brought in. Last year he had Sharif Cooper. This year he's got uh, Jabari Smith. I personally believe he's got something cooking there at Auburn. He's really only got to compete with Will Wade if he's still there, or if Will Wade could be a candidate for that job. And Cal up at Kentucky versus if you go to the ACC, you've got a battle with the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Syracuses of the world. And I just think that it's a tougher draw that you've got to rebuild a program versus what you've built for the past five years. Well, wait, there's no concern for you at all about Chris Holtman at Ohio State. 
Because we know what a Kentucky guy he is. Growing up being right. for Big Blue. Right. Seems sacrilege that he would take over the Cardinals. He'd have to get offered first. I'm just saying, I've seen his name in some of these articles No, as well. I completely agree. And it was the article I was pointing to. There was a couple guys over at CBS. I believe it was Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander that were helping out with the article about possible intel things of who they think could be candidates for the job. And I saw Chris Holtman's name was thrown into that. I'm not necessarily as concerned that it would be Louisville going after him as much as if Louisville did come, I would be questionable to see if the money they would toss at him be tempting because I think they could easily come in with a, a five-year, $30 million deal, $6 million on the table per year, and it would really honestly kind of make him decide whether he would want to do that or not. Couple and I, I know you mentioned the recruiting class. So you'd probably want to see that out with what he's got coming in. Yeah, yeah. But man, like that—that's—that's—that's that's, that's a tough draw, and I know he's got Kentucky ties, so I don't know how his family would love that. But it, it would be a very tough thing to say no to. I just think you've seen what happened to Chris Mack, and that didn't take long. And I know, like, if you're if you've got the stuff, you're also not going to be deterred by somebody before you failing. You have the confidence and the belief in yourself that you would go in there and do it the right way. And I do believe Chris Holtman, the championships are coming, and, and they are. I don't know if he's going to be able to get one of these uh, blue blood type of jobs, if you can call it that, without having either some championships or a deeper run in the NCAA tournament first. And we know it's coming, but I think Chris Holtman's very happy here at Ohio State and the recruiting class. I know for a fact that he is jacked out of his mind about it. And as you're, he, as he you're in the Big Ten and you're making big money. You got a NBA arena to play in with new facilities. It could be a whole lot worse, and there's something to be said for staying in a place that is very happy with you until the biggest, best thing becomes available. Yeah, I personally agree with you. I think he's got a lot going here, and especially he's going to have a true point guard. He's going to have a true center coming in. He's got great wing players in this class. He's got everything. You can get a little flavor of everything coming in. So, yeah, he's definitely 100% want to see that out. I'm just kind of curious – and I think we kind of all scratched our heads. We thought he could have been a candidate for North Carolina, but his name really didn't come up a whole lot. And we were kind of questioning, like, you know, maybe what is really the waters with him in these, these bigger level jobs? Uh, I, I personally don't believe Louisville is going to do it, other than I just kind of raised my eyes at people were suggesting they would look at him. I think they're going to shoot higher. I do think they will shoot for Bruce Pearl. And I think if Pearl is a no. I do think you look at a couple of those other hot up-and-comers in the SEC where they're also not programs that you're traditionally thinking about for their basketball, but Nate Oates, Eric Musselman. I, yeah, I mentioned The Oates. work that those guys have been doing. I think you, you, you take pause, and maybe even an Ed Cooley, Providence, the respect that the college yeah. basketball community has for him, and he just always seems to be treated like an afterthought. That's funny because I, if I remember correctly, during that Michigan search, he was a big name, but he pulled his name out of that search. Yeah, he loves what he's doing yeah. at Providence. He's got a two-loss team for him. that's just absolutely killing it right now. Uh, they just beat uh, Pro, uh, Xavier the night before our broadcast here. But, yeah, with a last-second three. Yes, a very, very good game. I was watching that down to the wire with the Northwestern Michigan game. Good double TV action basketball for uh, a Wednesday night. But, yeah, I think he's just a guy that's going to stay there at Providence it's probably as long as he can or he wants to. I think he's got it made. I say the same thing about Ed Cooley, too. If I if I apply the same rule, I'm looking at him now. He does not have a championship. I know he's in the Big East. They're always very, very competitive. They went to one, two, three, four, five straight 
NCAA tournaments, but have not been past the round of 32. That's such a hard place to recruit to, Yeah, it is. It is. It's almost like a different animal, you know, because you're at Providence. And it's more about about what you're doing. And it's like we can make the comparison to some of these, you know, mid-level college football gigs. It's like if somebody were to go to Indiana football, I'm talking about or Purdue football right. and start doing some really good consistent things. And you always have them around that seven, eight, nine win mark. It's a little bit different than if you're not performing at a bigger, more prestigious program. All right. So I think well, well, one quick thing is I think we didn't mention will wait enough because while it seems like the perfect marriage for what they're used to it, once again, yeah, and what he's done, but man, he, he, he can recruit really well. He's got a really good team down there in Baton Rouge. This you got to recruit. He's, he's going to do yeah. that, and he will do that. And this team hasn't had a top 10 recruiting class since the 16-17 cycle, so they really need to get back to recruiting really well. It was all regional mostly for Mac, and give him credit for that, but he's really going to start reining in those top prospects. Or what Will Wade can do is he can really do that. Doesn't seem like a tough thing to do to flex and recruit guys to be a part of Louisville basketball oh, with what the tradition is and with name, image, and likeness as well. I mean, you know my what goodness. sucks, and I, I didn't mention this, but I think they are uh, paying the number in the rafters for Russ Dickless. Russ. Russ say, Smith. Say what now? Yeah, they're doing a, uh, I believe Louisville this weekend is doing a number. They're retiring, retiring. they're retiring a jersey number? For Russ Smith. Okay. How many does that make for them? Uh, I, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you who's who's up there in the rafters for Louisville basketball. That's a great question, but I, I I just remember hearing that because uh, it was getting tied in together with all this news. Yeah, he's going to get his number two jersey retired. Uh, let's see here. I've got an idea, like a nervous purvis, I would think. Was Wes Unseld? Louisville? Uh, yes, he is. I got a couple more here. Those have got, well, those are two then. Purvis Ellison, uh, Daryl Griffith, Charlie Tyra. Daryl Griffith, okay. Charlie Tyra. So we'd be looking at five, the fifth one? He would be the fifth one, yes. Russ Smith, congrats, man. Yes. Way to go. Again, I believe it's this weekend, which would be hilarious. But yeah, they're going to do that while all this turmoil is happening. All right, we're going to take what will be a zero-second pause for all you guys out there. We're going to have the blue blood conversation. How many are there right now? What is a blue blood? What do you have to do to be considered a blue blood? If you were a blue blood, can you become a blue blood again? All these things. We'll tell you how it rolls. It's Mad About Hoops. All right, everybody. This is it. This is what having a college basketball podcast is all about evil what is a blue blood that's funny you ask that because i think at least they at least have to have multiple national championships that's my first baseline my second one always goes down to final four appearances and i can never really know how low i can let it go because really outside of like the top i would say five programs it dips off quite a bit in teams that teams that have more than five or six or even eight Final Four appearances. Here's the thing. I I think for starters, you just kind of know it when you hear it. It's one of those. Starts with that. You just kind of know it when you hear it. Duke, yeah, yeah. Duke's a blue blood. And a lot of the blue bloods, I think when you get to the top four, they literally are all blue as well. 
They're they're all wearing blue bluish hues with even, the uniforms. Even the fifth one, in my opinion, like but. that's uh, yeah, right. That's where that's where it comes from. So there's that. You need to, and I think for the fun of it too. I don't like to get too technical. Like I didn't like I didn't spend eight hours deliberating over this, where I have you know fifty different charts. Where like oh they meet in this box, but they don't meet in that box. The ranking is too low here, but it's higher here, so it makes up for it. It's just sort of a level of consistency. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You mentioned multiple national championships. Conference championships are something that matters as well. If maybe you have fewer national championships than another blue blood, history, of course, is something that matters. History, tradition, fan bases, and its consistency. You can't have one of these gigantic dips where you are not on the block anymore. So I give you the easy ones, right? Mm -hmm. And they are the four winningest programs in college basketball history. It's Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, and Duke. No disagreements. No disagreements. Nope. Four blue bloods right there All the in college basketball. The top four final four, four appearances. Like, yeah, it's not even a debate. And here, here is the other thing for me. Here is the other thing for me. That it needs to be incredibly exclusive, right? Like you're talking about the elite of the elite. Yep. And... Recency bias, too. What about recency bias? Well, since it is 2022, if we're talking about Blue Bloods, I'm saying, I am saying, it's my opinion that you can stop being a Blue Blood because what, are you just going to not count the last 22 years since the turn of the century? That's a big, gigantic chunk of time. And what, what have you done for me lately is a real thing, right? How could we... How can we not acknowledge that what have you done for me lately is a real thing? If you start sucking at work, try doing that for two years max. You will be out on your ass, right? Like that That's just how it goes. If you stop doing your job, if you stop doing all the things that have once been expected of you, then you're done. Why do you think all these blue bloods or some of these former blue bloods have been firing coaches left and right because they're trying to get back to it? I think, and we were just talking about them, that Louisville, the Louisville Cardinals basketball program, they are red, yes, but I think they are one that fits the bill of a blue blood program. There's one yep. tiny problem that you could say that they're massive cheaters, right? <laughs> but as far as the winning and what was done out on the basketball court, it's a tough one here because there's some embarrassment that and some egg on the face that comes along with it, but there's still a hell of a lot of pride. And when you look at the accomplishments and when you look at how consistently they have done it through the course of time, they've got three national championships, right? If you want to take one wink, of those wink. away, yeah, wink, wink, so so be it. But even if you do, then you, you still have the multiple national championships and you've just had a whole lot of success in conference play, you've had conference tournament wins, you've had NCAA tournament appearances all the live long day, you've had deep runs in the tournament. I think they are one that fits that bill 
as good as anybody. How do you feel about me yeah. saying Louisville? Yeah, I completely agree with you. They sit at eight appearances in the final four, but really it's 10. If you give back the two vacated appearances that they had, like you said, they have three uh, titles, which would put them in the bracket with uh, Villanova and Kansas, which Kansas is another team that I think still fits the bill as a blue blood. And metric wise, you if you're going to give it to Kansas, I feel like you got to give it to Louisville too. So the other one here that I have to throw in, they're number 19 all time in wins. Pretty, pretty damn good. And the guy that they have now, I think we consider him the greatest. And I, I, I think of him as a young coach, even though you just told me that <laughs> Jay Wright is 60 years old. What has been built there at Villanova? Because they, they won their title in 1985, right? Which, hey, it matters, but they were sort of one of those. And if you didn't remember that, they, yeah. they made sure to shove it down your throat during the, the runs. Yeah. Those, those last two. Old Raleigh Massimino. Yes. He was hanging out. He was there. So they're a mid-level program, though. You know, even though they were in the Big East, they always struggled to compete in that yeah. conference. They they started to win some championships, though. Well, they had some really good teams who just could never get over the hump. And yeah. I, I think what the one off the top of my head, you had to say the teams with Scotty Reynolds. I will say, though, they won a conference tournament championship, and they won some conference championships in all the key decades, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, right? They So they did accomplish that, and I'm winning these two recent national championships, that elevates you. That does, man. 100%. That ele- elevates you. That puts you on the block. So Villanova, 100%, absolutely. Yes, they check all of my boxes. And why this one, I think, seems to get forgotten about. Do you have any idea? I'm I am capping it off. They're, and they're not any good now, though. But uh, hear me out. When I talk consistently, uh, when I talk consistency, I'm not saying that you have two or three down years and you're you're done. This has to happen over a good chunk of time. I'm talking 10, 20 years. If you stop giving me national championships, if you stop dominating your conference or competing at the top of your conference, I'm going to put you out. This team does actually stink right now today. But as far as last 10 years, last 20 years, absolutely, it's been done. Think of who I'm talking about? You think know, you got my pick? You know what? Before you said they stink today, I was thinking maybe Arizona, but no, I'm not thinking that way. I uh, am I am putting UConn into the blue that's blood That's so mix. funny you said that because I've been the looking. The Connecticut Huskies, they've got four <laughs> national championships. Four, man. All when it was a 64-team field as well. They have it's the hardest thing to do in sports, and they've won it four freaking times. Well, it's the, consi- it's, it's the accuracy, man. They've won four national championships and five appearances to the Final Four. That's it, man. Yeah. You get there, you bring home the hardware. Man, that's that's tough. Because Who do you think I you, you I should put into it? You Who do you think I'm I'm leaving off? Oh, man. That's a great question because I... I guess you could debate Michigan State, although Michigan I'm, State I'm, I'm is the gonna, other one, right? Yeah, you you could definitely debate that. Uh, no, UConn was definitely a team that I thought was teetering. I don't know personally if I would, because I do think a little bit of recency bias does play into it a little bit. And you know what? I'm I'm sorry. I, I've been thinking of you know the whole Kevin Ollie ouster situation. UConn is solid. They're they're yeah, solid. Yeah, no, they're they're definitely a good, solid. They're a good team. They do not stink today. Yeah. And that even 
That even feeds more into my point. They're actually ranked 20th. Shame on me. I've not paid a whole lot of attention to UConn basketball in 2021-2022. No, yeah. A name you're going to want to follow or watch as the uh, the conference tournaments and then even NCAA tournaments go along is uh, Adama Sanogo is one of the better forwards. He's RJ be- Cole's a really RJ good player Cole. I know about. Yeah, they've got three guys on that team, and they're solid. They've They, they just... That's kind of what it's about, though, right? They you just built, you have such a standard when you become a blue blood, you're expected to produce. And then when you have a situation like that where you got a coach win a national championship and then he's out of there so quickly, it's I just weird. think they kind of fly under the radar once they move to the Big East. Like, it's it just, well, even when they they're were back in the, in the Big East, they were in, in the, the American. East. That's what you mean. Yes, they were in the American, but they're in the new version of the Big East. I think with the old version, we thought of as, you know, you're going against the Pittsburghs when they were good, the, the Syracuse. I think back yeah. in that era, yeah, they, they weren't underestimated, but I think they are now. Here's what I mean: since Dan Hurley, Hurley's a it's a famous name, right? That's yeah. a that's a that's a last name that matters, uh-huh. and he's been he's been good. He's been okay, good, not great. Sixteen and seventeen, nineteen and twelve, fifteen and eight, fourteen and four. But it's it's what Connecticut, as I said, it's not about a three or a four year dip. You can't erase it that fast, but. When I'm talking about those other ones, like the easy one, UCLA, right? Yeah, that's no, that's, yeah, that's a fair just, one. That's fair. I'm sorry, man. Like, it was a different ball game, completely different animal, different sport, and you haven't you haven't been anything close to that since John Wooden was done, and. We could sit here and talk about John Wooden and how he operated, too, with all that we know about him for the books that are written and the the lessons that you would teach and things you would pass down from John Wooden. You talk to certain people. You talk to Bobby Knight and get his opinion about about, uh, Wooden. And there's another one, Indiana. I'm Uh, sorry. I I can't do it. I can't do it right now. See, I I can get on board with you with Indiana, but just something about UCLA still gets me. I I don't know if maybe it's just the aura around the program. There is an incredible aura. But it just kind of sucks you in, man. And especially with the the revival of the team with Mick Cronin there, it just kind of feels like, man, they really could be back to where they, they were once before. Michigan State, I think, is the most deserving next one in. I really do think that because Tom Izzo's won his national championship. I'm just afraid. They won in 1979. I'm just afraid of how tight it is to Izzo. Like, I'm curious to see what it's going to be like once he eventually moves on. Yeah, well, but again, that that still matters. Izzo's, Izzo's there. 100%. He's there now. We could talk when he leaves like we're doing with UConn. And again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't erase all of Michigan State's power as a basketball program a few years after Izzo's gone. You'd have to give them a chance to reignite what he had. Of course. You mentioned Final Fours, man. It's it's total insanity, right? It's total insanity. No, they're tied with they're tied with another team. Can you guess who's tied there with them at ten Final Fours? In the Big Ten. Ohio State. That's correct. Yeah. Actually, Ohio State should be 11 if but you I did can't, count I can't. the 1999. You know, I think... Uh, you can't. I No, no, I no, no. Hear, hear me out. I, th- I think Michigan State actually deserves to be in this mix. I really do. Man, you're going to do Michigan State and kick out UCLA. Uh, I'm not... I, no, UCLA was not in it. I'm I'm saying... So I had I had the four obvious ones. I have, I have Louisville in there. So there's five. I gave you wow. UConn. As six, Villanova seven. So my list is eight. That's it. 
It's got to be really exclusive. I don't want to get to double digits with this. No, thing. I, this I isn't compl- like a top I, 10. I completely I'm stop- agree with I think you. I'm stopping. I think I'm done right there at eight. I, as we talked it through Michigan state, you see, this is, this is what it's about. This is what debating this stuff is about. I say some things, you say some things, you say, no, that's BS. <laughs> you got to look at this. We could, you can't throw as much as we love the Ivy league, right? And what they were historically, they're no, not anything now. No, come on. So you can't do any of those. No. Cincinnati, sorry, no. Syracuse, Temple, sorry. St. John's, sorry. Arizona, no. Utah, Purdue, no. Illinois, Texas, BYU, no. Laughing at that. West Virginia, no. Sorry, Jerry West. Not going to happen. Sorry, Huggy Bear. I I think we're pretty close. I think just I would swap out or I'd swap in UCLA for Michigan State, but I think we're pretty consistent. You're putting UCLA in. Yes, I would. You keep Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State is kicking (sighs) UCLA's ass Kicking their freaking asses in the last 20, 25 years. I get it. And it's it. not even close, Evil. You know that. You know it. I get it. I just, man, it just it's just a feeling with the program. I, I can't discount the history as much as you have. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that. <laughs> and you can email us. Madaboutoops at gmail. Can't remember the last time we threw com. that out there. Yeah, no, but when we're talking about something like this that just really sparks the debate, you know, hit us up. Or on social media, too. Like, just, we're checking that all the time. At Mad About Hoops on Twitter. We'll take another zero-second pause. Evil's going to give you a briefer, a highlighted version of the Big 12 because we've had we've had a good uh, lengthy pod so far, hitting this Chris Mack stuff and hitting the Blue Bloods. So, yeah, we'll uh, collect our breath, catch our breath, we'll finish it up. It's Mad About Hoops. All right, so last week we talked about the ACC. We thought it was pretty disappointing, at least this season-wise, of how many teams we think we're get, they're going to get into the tournament. Pretty disappointing? I would say so if you're only going to get four to five teams. Pretty disappointing? I don't know. Is there a stronger Horribly. word you want? There you Horribly. go. It's a disaster. North Carolina. Oh. It's like the since we even mentioned Hubert Davis, you know, it seems to get worse and worse for him. Yeah, it has. There's only been a game or two since the last pod. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, I I don't even know what North Carolina is going to be at this point. But let's talk about a different conference because I think the vibe around this one is a hell of a lot different. If you've actually looked at the standings, saw some of the teams that have been playing, and it's the Big 12. My Tim, guys. I, there's, there's 10 teams in this conference. They're called the Big 12, but there's 10 teams. We're going to do the bracketology to start off. Can you tell me what you think – these guys have them at in terms of numbers of teams oh, in the tournament. I'll say at least six. I'll say seven. I can give you more. Eight teams I in right now. Eight teams. Yes. Eight teams. So <laughs> the, let me hold only, on. Hold on. Who's not? Well, one so of them who's not play. in? One of them can't actually play. Kansas State and Oklahoma State. That's correct. All right. And I guarantee you, if Oklahoma State could play, they'd probably be a bubble team. <laughs> I mean, they're about a 500 team, but they've had some pretty decent wins this year. They don't have a team that's under 500. Uh, That would be correct. They don't have a team that's under 500. That would be correct. Wow. Yeah, no, it's it's such a solid conference this year, man. There's just every single team you could go down the line and say something good about them, whether it's even Jamie Dixon's uh, Horn Frogs down at TCU. You just had to give them time, man. And that's what I yeah. that's what I mentioned that the ACC lacks now because of what Jamie Dixon built at Pitt. Like you expected something out of Pitt Panther basketball yep. because of him, and now he 
they, quiet, quietly. They, get ti- they got tired of Jamie Dixon just getting to the tournament, right? And now, and look at him now. Uh, Jeff Capel, going to be <laughs> finding a now. new job sometime soon. Uh, but yes, the both bracketologists, you have Mike DeCourcy and Joe Lunardi, have each conference, or the conference with eight teams each. Both of them clearly have Baylor as a one seed. We'll get into them a little bit later. Uh, both have Kansas as a two. When it comes to Texas Tech, very interesting team with Mark Adams filling the role on the bench previously for Chris Beard. He's developed such a good team this year. Uh, very sound defensively. Lunardi's got him as a three. It looks like DeCourcy is a four. Now you start to get into a little bit of the gray area with some of the teams who could be lo- lower or higher. I see DeCourcy has Iowa State, who give all the credit in the world to what T.J. Otzelberger's done since They're ranked. He, he came in for a uh, He's a hot Steve name Pro. now. Yeah, Otzelberger, originally from uh, South Dakota State, has built a great program there, and they're actually still doing very well. They're probably going to win the Summit League. You know what? If he does not... At someday transition to owning a local hamburger establishment, he's doing it wrong. The oats, uh, come try the Oatsel Burger. I'm sure in Ames you could best do that. taste in town. You could do that pretty well in Ames. Uh, yeah, so the course he's got him as a six. It looks like Lunardi is a seven, which is respectable. Here's a team that we've been debating, and I at least brought him up last week and said they were not a tournament team. And wow, that's probably early, too early to say that. Their resume is just. It's not there. I was reading you before the show, the rundown of their non-conference schedule, and really, the only two teams they played in non-conference that were worth anything, they lost to Seton Hall and they lost to Gonzaga, it's Texas. Uh, pretty wide seed line spread on this. Lunardi has them as a 7. DeCourcy's with me. He's kind of around a 10, kind of leaning on their way out. Man, it's just been, it's been, it's been a weird year for Chris Beer's team there in Texas. First year there, give him time. 100%. Got some transfers, and he's going to be able to recruit too. I, unlike what's going on with Texas football, I have a whole lot of belief in what Chris oh, Beard. Hundred percent. Because we we talk, you know, we we talk about Jay Wright. You know, Chris Beard. He's got the youth. He's sort of got that tenacity to him. I think everybody loves him. Everybody sort of gravitates towards Chris Beard. He's he stayed in state. He stayed in conference. And I think that that was a good hire. I think Texas is going to be all the better for it. No, yeah, time. he's got a very good team, very guard-oriented. With Obviously, they brought in Marcus Carr. Uh, they still have Courtney Ray. Timmy Allen. Timmy Allen, Utah. the forward from Utah, yes. Yeah. He's he's really their main guy in the front court, which is what they've been missing a lot of. Uh, so I'm curious to see how they'll hold up down in the post. But, yes, Texas, different seed lines for both of those guys. Uh, we've got Oklahoma making its way in. Uh, first year under Porter Mosier. He's got uh, – Lunardi's got him as a 10. DeCourcy's got him as a play-in game in the 12 seed line. Yeah, they're – they only beat Arkansas. Their win over Florida doesn't look great anymore. Well, that, Mid-level SEC yeah. team. You could say that Ohio State's win over Seton Hall, though, isn't looking great now. They Seton just lost Hall, again. Yes. Yeah, Seton Hall just can't stay consistent. They no, can't stay no. healthy. They, we know they're good, but they're just inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Uh, yeah, and the Florida thing, I, they've been pretty underperforming all year long, but with Colin Castleton out with a shoulder injury the past week or so, it's just getting even worse and worse. Uh, we already mentioned TCU with uh, Dixon. They've got them as an 11 seed for both. And it looks like West Virginia is a 10 for DeCourcy and 11 for Lunardi. So that's eight teams from both bracketologists. Whatever happened of Jaden Ledee, the old Ohio State Oh, my goodness. Forward. What did he do? Not he transferred make- to TCU, but he does not play for TCU. I remember Big six foot eight guy something. came in with great height and weight. I really thought that he was going to be. Oh, my. Was he in EJ Liddell's class? Or was he a year or two before? Uh, he would be a year before. 
And I do have the updates on where he is. How is he, man? He is playing for the Flying Dutchman. Brian Dutcher out there with San Diego State. Okay. All right. Good for him. Yeah, he's, he's only in his okay, he's only in his third year of action. Yes. Oh, it shows is he even playing this year? Academically, he's a senior. Uh oh, let me see. You might actually be right. I, I don't, don't know if he's playing this year. Maybe he must be hurt or he's had a season ending injury because his last stats are showing twenty twenty one. With TCU. That's so funny because... We know uh, you have free transfers, so he must be hurt or some they up, NCAA that's issue. That's so weird because they updated his bio. He's considered a senior, but he's only got three years huh. of playing. All right. Well, we'll put a pin in that one. Yeah, that's very interesting. But yes. Texas so, guy, too. Uh, Houston guy, yes. Yeah, Texas guy. Uh, let's just see the bio. When did he transfer there? Must have been... Must have been this year, but he just hasn't started playing, according to his ESPN bio. Very interesting. I love the Big 12, man. You know oh, how, yes, you know how I feel. It's great. It's it's great quality basketball. I think it's had the respect. It's got the name recognition. Look, it's it's not at all like like what we're going to have with with football. Well, actually, I hold on a second. Hold on. When you lose Texas and Oklahoma, it matters. So, we'll see what happens. But I mean, Kansas has been the crown jewel of that basketball conference. Nobody is denying that. And even without Texas and Oklahoma's names, certainly what it lacks in basketball, it's not even close to what it's going to lack in football when you take those two names away. Oh, 100%. Nobody's going to even argue that. You still have West Virginia and what they do. You still have Kansas State, who's had some really good teams. Iowa State has been one of the better better if schools anything, up there. It might and Baylor. Be it, might, Baylor. It, might, it might be better off in basketball, to be honest with you, because you're going to add a Cincinnati program. You're going to add a BYU program under Mark solid. Pope. It's been very solid. Yeah, they You're going to add Houston with Calvin Sampson's yes, squad. Yes, like it's going to be very It's good. actually a pretty even trade-off when you talk about basketball. Oh, 100%. With the two leaving and the three coming in. Yeah, yeah. it's it's going to look amazing. And we can talk about the whack on a future podcast, but let me tell you, with the amount of movement that conference has had, I don't think you could recognize half the teams that are in that league this year. Well... Um, I'm good, man. Are you good? Yeah, no, it's, it? it's simple. We already talked about Ochai Abaji. He's probably the player of the year front runner, oh, I would say. Oh, yeah. Oh, Averaging yeah. 21 points per game, 47 points, for, uh, 47% from three. Uh, Baylor, you know, there's they got a little bit of help from the the Arizona transfer, James Akinjo. He's averaging about 13 points per game. But, again, a solid defensive team there for uh, Scott Drew. And then uh, we mentioned Texas and Texas Tech. This is a league that's built on defense. There's four teams in the top 15 of Kempom and the net rankings. So you just know it's going to be a battle towards the end. I think all of these teams are at least, well, with Baylor and Kansas, they're both uh, one game between each other, six and one for Kansas, six and two for Baylor. Uh, Texas and TC, or Texas and Texas Tech are five and three. So you're all within two games of the top spot. Well, think about what Colin said when it comes time to fill out the bracket. Because when you think about already good teams, <laughs> and then when they have really, really high-quality defenses, that helps affect shots. That helps make teams a little bit more nervous when the shooting streak isn't there, and you win games, and you advance. One so more thing I will say is I, I think we're going to touch on Kansas real quick, because I did say they have been, outside of Ochai Abachi, they've been pretty disappointing around their, the supporting cast. The preseason player of the year of Big 12, Remy Martin, he's averaging, I believe, 8.4 points per game. He really hasn't been that much of a factor. Oh, yeah. That, we've known that for a while now, like but with what Abachi's done. the step back that David McCormick has had as a center has yeah. been quite surprising. But what I'm just going to say is, if you're looking at your bracket and you see Baylor or Kansas facing a team you think is going to go far... 
have some caution because I think both of those teams are very dangerous. All right, man. I'm tired of talking. What about you? I am too. I, th- we're, again, we're recording this on a Thursday before Ohio State faces Minnesota. It's very crucial. I think they at least split this weekend on the road. Oh. Take this game at Minnesota. It's a team that's very, very average from deep. Uh, their point, their forwards are not as strong as what you're used to in the Big Ten. Take advantage of that. And then, you know what? You're playing with house money when you go in the Mackey on Sunday. Purdue atmosphere. Oh, it's going to be insane. Awesome. Man, I've been looking at tickets for Purdue, and it's like 150 bucks <sighs> per game. doesn't matter which game you want to go to. Are you going to the Butler game on Saturday? I was not going to do that because I don't – it's hard to watch this team this oh, year. Oh, come on. Um, no, I was actually eyeballing. I, I don't know if I'm going to pull it off because I got some plans that I have to move around. But Saturday noon. Saturday noon in Louisville. Duke plays at Louisville, and they're hanging the banner for us. Oh, you're thinking about that? I was thinking about it, but I got to move some plans around in order to do that, but I don't know if I can make it happen. God, if my son didn't have basketball (laughs) right now, which I do love going to, by the way. Yeah, The Spurs on a four-game winning streak, by the way. Oh, good for him. The Spurs. That's very nice. I yeah. uh, I was looking at the schedule and I was looking at Kentucky too because I was thinking about going to Rupp for the first time. Yeah, I got to hit I that one. And I saw that they were playing Kansas and my heart dropped, but I forgot it's at Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. God. Which, by the way, it's been over a decade since I've been back there to see a game. It's got to happen. You got to make that happen. It's got to happen. I know. Stop in Kansas City for some barbecue and then swing over for some mm, basketball. Oh, duh. I mean, course you know go through kansas city and not you know at least have three barbecue meals and try all the major brands out there jack stacks well arthur bryant's 239 we should suggest it to the we're based here in columbus we're at uh, wbns radio we could suggest it to the 10 tv guys here in town they're out there for the Bengals game on sunday they're flying out on the friday Mm -hmm. they should just go over to the game if they can get in i've got a ticket connection i don't know if i want (laughs) to I don't know if you I want to give that up. up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want to burn that up for like lower bowl seats at Allen Fieldhouse and I'm not there. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be there, but like once every two seasons type of thing. Sure, sure. You know, it's like you it's like you're Iron Man and you you use those laser shooters and they're done. Like that's it. You slice off half the robots around you and then you, you can't use it again. Some things you got to have selfishly for yourself and, and I, I respect that. The other one you got to try joe's kansas city used to be oklahoma joe's interesting and they thought they couldn't keep a barbecue joint in kansas named oklahoma something so he switched to kansas city joe's didn't have to do it in my book but it's still one of the best barbecue spots that's out there and yeah man college basketball hall of fame negro league baseball hall of fame is out there it's just a tremendous sports town tremendous scene power and light district Oh, what a, I mean, yeah, just to do the museums and the history in Casey as well. Do a little bit of that. See the Kansas basketball games, but brilliant. Just a, a knock them out dead sports trip to be had there. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. All right, evil. That was a lot of fun, man. Can't wait, Tim. I mean, we're, we're coming up to the last week in January and then February means conference tournaments are right mm. around the corner. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Please do. If you're checking us out on Apple, Leave us a five-star rating. Even type in a little review at the bottom. Tell us what you like about it. Maybe things you might want to hear more topical or uh, more evergreen topics, which we've been trying to give you a little bit more of those, talking about some of the stuff that's currently going on, and then hitting some of these conversations like the Blue Bloods, things that we're just going to talk about all the time in the offseason, whenever we're drinking beers with the boys or the gals. So, yeah, tell us what you think. And we will see you guys next time. Have a great week, great weekend. 
whatever the hell day it is that you're listening to this. Have a great day and night. It's Mad About Hoops.